If you'll please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, Brother John Prophet will read from that scripture. Our reading tonight is from the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. Luke 15, 4 through 7. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down at table? If you, if you would open your Bibles, to, and we're going to work out of uh, Luke 15 tonight, Luke chapter 15. Well, I, my brother was in fourth grade, and I was in sixth grade, and we were going to Cascade Elementary School in Tuckwilla, Washington. And w the fad was marbles. I don't know if anyone... Uh, have y'all played marbles? Have y'all ever like shot marbles? Okay. In sixth grade, fourth grade, and the idea was, and it, it's probably different than what most people, how most people played, but we would draw the circle and then we would shoot the marbles and any marbles that moved, not moved out of the circle, any marbles were ours. I don't know if anyone else played like that. So we were trying to play and, and there were all kinds of marbles, but most of the standards and then there, there were uh, a little bit bigger marbles. And to me, that wasn't fair. And my brother was given by my grandfather, by my granddad, a big old ball bearing. A ball bearing. It's about that big. And he came home after that day of having that ball bearing with every marble that he played against. He, he collected. And so I was jealous. And I threw a fit, and my grand, grand, granddad sadly gave in. I don't know if he should have. Gave me a ball bearing. And both of us were just dominating the marble field. It was great. We had to walk home, and what part of the way we, that we walked, we walked down this hill. There was a little narrow path. On both sides of the path were uh, blackberry bushes, just thick with blackberry bushes. And we were going through that field, and he had that, that uh, ball bearing out, and he saw a rock, and he thought, I'll hit that rock, and it'll bounce back at me, and I'll catch it. And he threw it, and the ball bearing went somewhere. It went somewhere. This precious thing that got us so many marbles. And so we started looking for it. And we, I mean, we were getting cut up because the thorns on blackberry bushes are huge, getting cut up, looking for this thing. We couldn't. And so he took my, my ball bearing and thought, if I throw it at the same direction, we can watch where it goes and we can find that thing. It didn't work like that. Both of them were lost. We looked until it got dark. We went home and got flashlights, came back and looked and looked. The next day after school, I hear, I hear my brother talking on the phone. He's fourth grade. Talking on the phone to someone saying, yes, I would like to rent a metal detector. 
I don't know who he called, but he looked through his phone book, wanted it, but we were, we, we were motivated. That was precious to us. Those bob bearings were precious to us. We were motivated to find what was lost, what we had lost. Motivated to find something that was special to us, precious to us. We were motivated to find something that were, was very important to us. And so tonight we're going to look at something, finding something that is even more important, so much more important than a stinking ball bearing. We're going to be talking about people, finding people. So we're working out of Luke chapter 15, and if you have headings in your Bible, in your New King James or your ESV or whatever you're using, there are parables listed, parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, parable of the, of the prodigal son. We're going to talk about those tonight. And so the situation in Luke 15, situation is there are a lot of people coming to listen to Christ, and they're excited and they love what he's saying. These men and women, they're they're. Their associations and their family and their families and their uh, vocations, their jobs that they did, made the religious higher-ups look down on them. They, to, to the higher-ups, to the religious crowd, they were hopelessly lost. They were outsiders. And they showed up and they're listening to Jesus' teaching. Tax collectors, verse 1, sinners, they're all drawing near to him. And they listen to the teaching. And it's striking a chord. And his message is full of hope, something that they hadn't had before. They're hopeless. And so the reaction of the religious leaders, if you notice, too, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Oh, no. <laughs> and so they're enraged. They're outraged, enraged, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're, they're not happy with him. Uh, with Christ, of his acceptance and his preference, and it seems like he likes these sinners more than he likes other people, and so they're grumbling, they're moaning. And so Jesus kind of takes them out of the game in a way. He, he tells these parables, and he starts out this parable in verse 3. He told them a parable. What man of you, and he's talking to these Pharisees and the, and the scribes, what man of you, Having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country. And then the next parable, the coin, and the next parable. A number of truths that, that, that we should take note of tonight. And we're going to see great God's love for sinners. God's love for the lost. God's mercy, his forgiveness, his tenacity. As far as the lost are concerned, love and anxiety even. And so we get a glimpse of heaven, and, and we get to see souls being restored and found and returned. And so we go with the lost sheep in verses 4 through 7. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country? Go after the one that's lost until he finds it. When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so the sheep, the sheep was lost. You see, in verse 4, the sheep was lost in, in verse 
to go after that one that is lost in that word there. The word there would be to perish. The, the, the translation from the word that is translated from could be translated to perish, to be destroyed, to be cut off. And, and that works here to lose something. And whatever the case, the sheep was in serious trouble, most likely didn't realize it, most likely had wandered away. And this is all speculation because this is a parable. But he's lost in the wilderness. No protection. He's in danger. And, and, and what about the wilderness? And if we're making, uh, an allegation, uh, alleg- making this into an allegory, then what about, the, what about the sheep? Now, that's us sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes we, we wander away. We don't pay attention to what we're doing and who we're with. And, and, and we might not be drawn away necessarily. We're just not paying attention. And we go into this world and the world is enticing and the world has something a little bit here and a little bit there that we might want. And we go over here and go over there and take it. And before long, we're lost. Before long, we're excited about this dangerous place that we don't realize is dangerous. So the wilderness, picture of the world, allurements, dangers. Wilderness holds a fascination to wanderers. The wilderness does. Amy and I went to, Amy and I had an opportunity for our anniversary a couple of years ago, or recent, last year, I guess, um, to go up to the Grand Teton National Forest. We also got to go to Yellowstone. We were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we went hiking. And some of those hikes were, were 15 to 20 miles that we hiked. One of the places in Yellowstone, we, we wanted to do this big loop. And at one point, we finally realized, wait, and we had the map, and we're looking at the map, and we've been walking around for a long time, and we finally realized this isn't even a trail. This isn't where we're supposed to be. And so, but how did it happen? I mean, we were looking, we were watching, but we weren't noticing where we were. And that's how it happens in in life, in in the world. We just get caught up. We get caught up. Every temptation that comes to us, it it looks good to us. It's packaged for good. This morning in class, we were talking about Adam and Eve and how Eve was tempted because because the tree looks so good. And I was thinking about this quote. Things forbidden have a secret charm. And, and John was talking about this. John Batchelder was talking about this idea of looking at something and knowing that you can't have it. And that just makes you want it more. That's Tacitus, by the way, who said that things forbidden have a secret charm. Now, there are things in life that we look at and we're drawn to draws us away from God. And we, we see it and we want it as we kind of move closer to it. Might not get it. Might move. But the wandering sheep doesn't realize its situation. A sheep isn't going to realize its situation. And it's going to wander around, and it might, be, it might fall down a, a crevasse. It might fall into a, to a crack. And it might fall into jagged rocks, or, or it might get caught up in a thick underbrush or, or underbrush, or it might get stuck in thorns, or it might get taken by a predator. And sometimes we find ourselves in that situation. Isaiah 53, 6 reads, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us like sheep have gone astray. In other words, at one point or another, we're going to go astray. So the title of the sermon is where they all go. Where did they go? Where do we go when we go astray? The question at the end of the sermon is, what are we going to do about those people that have wandered away? 
And that's kind of the gist of the sermon tonight. What are we going to do about those people that have wandered away? And we know they're gone, maybe, but do they know they're gone? Possibly, they might realize at one, at one point. The sheep was sought by the shepherd because the sheep is important. I read, read a little story. The sheep is important. Jesus is, wants to, the shepherd wants to go after the sheep. He's going to leave the 99. The shepherd will leave the 99. They're all together, and I guess they're in a pen. I'm not sure. But anyway, he leaves them to go. And so which one is his favorite? Which sheep is his favorite? That one? So I read a story about a mom who's, who goes to see a psychiatrist, and she's, she's just... She, she's uptight and she's having a hard time. And the psychiatrist says, what about your kids? She says, I got four kids and, and I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm just at the end of my wits. And, and he says, well, which one do you love more? She kind of looked at him. I, I don't love any. I love them all the same. And he said, that's impossible. And she's, she said, no, 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 that's true. He said, come clean and tell me which one you love more. And she finally said, I love the one more who is sick at the time. I love the one more who's having a hard time in life at the time. I love the one more who we've lost. I love them more at the time. But when everyone's okay, I love them all the same. So who did, who did the shepherd love more, the one or the 99? He loved them all, but at that moment, he loves that one. The sheep was sought by the shepherd. And when, when we lose something that's dear to us or someone or something, we look, something that's very dear to us. And we come up with in, interesting ways to find them. We had a dog a couple of years ago, several years ago, um, Freckles. It was, a, it was a border collie. I think I even used her as, a, as, a, as an illustration in a sermon. Very pretty dog to me, red and white, but she was afraid of thunderstorms. And we went to Tennessee for polishing the pulpit, left her with a friend. Thunderstorm came. The dog got out. We came home. The dog's been gone for a couple of days. Addie and I go out to the neighborhood where she, where she's, uh, where she was lost. And we're calling her. We're walking around on a Sunday afternoon after services. And we're looking for her. And, I, and she comes to a certain kind of whistle that I did. She would come. But I, but I, but I couldn't make it loud enough. And I couldn't, get all, I couldn't get it to where it was all around, so I went home. This is an extreme thing uh, when you're looking for something. I went home, recorded that whistle, put it on a CD, looped it, put it in the car, turned, put the windows down, turned on the loop, and went around driving with this whistle going. I never found the dog. Well, we get, finally got the dog back, but not because of those efforts. But it was an extreme thing. Got, got some great... Got some great stares from the people who were outside. Usually they're used to hearing other kinds of music. But the shepherd saw the value of one sheep. And I think it was an extreme thing that he did. Leaving 99 sheep. 99 little sheep. Weak ones and the strong ones. But he leaves them all together. Just leaves them. I think that's pretty extreme. Just for that one sheep. He knows the value of it. He's concerned about it. And, and someone could have said, you know what? Let that sheep go. You still got 99 left, right? Our attitude when someone leaves the church, when, when we realize they might have wandered away, 
our attitude shouldn't be, well, we've got a hundred and, you know, whatever, however many were here this morning, 200 and, well, there were 235, we're missing the 230, we're missing one, we still got 234. Well, we're okay, we still got a good crowd. That can't be our attitude. We can't say, well, we still got 99, that one, we'll just write it off as a loss. Mm-mm. It's not what God wants us to do, and that's not his point of this story. His point is, go find them. Go find them. John 3.16, God so loved the world, we know this, that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God cares about us. 19.10 of Luke, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. That's how much he cares about us, so that's extreme. The sheep, when the sheep was found in 5 through 7, the shepherd is so, and notice what he does, picks up that sheep, carries it on his shoulders. I imagine that that sheep would have followed that shepherd because the sheep knows the shepherd's voice, would have followed him home. But that's not how it works. The shepherd lifted gently that sheep and put him on, put the sheep on his shoulders, calls his neighbors together, wants, to know, wants everyone to know that the sheep has been found. And then the point is, Jesus says, I tell you, there's, there will be more joy in heaven in verse 7 than over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. One sinner, so much joy. The, the joy today for that one person who's wandered away, someone has gone and got them and brought them home. What a wonderful thing to see. And we've seen that over and over again throughout the years. We've seen that happen. And it is emotional, and it's a joyous occasion, and it's something to be celebrated. It's a wonderful thing. And so he moves on from the sheep, and he goes on to the coin. What woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, doesn't light a lamp, sweep the house, seek diligently until she finds it? When she found it, she finds it. When she found it, she calls together the friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, I found the coin that I have lost. And then Jesus says, just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels over one sinner who repents. It's thought, and I've heard different, or I've read different, different uh, thoughts about this. The idea of this coin that she lost, it, it, it might be worth at one day's wages, or it might be worth just a little bit, small silver piece maybe 16 cents, so it, there's a range, and she has 10, so maybe $1.60 or maybe 10 days' worth of wages. Whatever the case is, it's special to her. One speculation, one, one commentator uh, wrote that possibly this was part of this, uh, this headdress that these coins were sewed into because when the woman became a wife, she sewed every, every ounce of money, every piece of money that she had into a headdress to wear and, and by law, it was, it was against the law to use that money for anything. You couldn't spend it. And so it, it's special to her. Maybe that's it. That's what, pe that's what commentators have said. But the ten coins, tremendous significance, symbolizes possibly her dowry. The, the money isn't the thing, but, but the marriage is. And so it's valuable to this woman. It's, she's incomplete. It's possible for it to be taken to pay a debt. The money can't be spent. Why was the coin lost? The lady had, wasn't keeping up with it, I guess. I don't know. Speculation, again, is a parable. But, but could it be that it was sewn onto the headdress and just fallen off? I mean, buttons fall off like that all the time. Whatever the case is, she knew where it might be, where it must be, where it should be, and she was looking there. 
I, I have a problem keeping up with kids. I know that some of y'all do too. I've conditioned myself. I walk into the house. There's a special, I mean, a certain hook. I put my keys on. There are several hooks, but I put it on the same one every time. And then when I get to the building, when I get to the office, there's this little guy uh, with a fishing pole, and I, and I hook, hang the keys on, on, on that. I know where they're supposed to be now. I'm conditioned to do that. It took years. But sometimes someone might bring something, some food, and say, there's food in the refrigerator. Don't forget to take it home. I have a brilliant idea. I'll put my keys in there with it. <laughs> Or, or like this morning, I needed to take this jacket to the building and I didn't want to wear it. And so I hung it on the doorknob and put my keys on it. Here's what happens. I go to get my keys off the hook. They're not there. I tear the place apart looking for it. And then as I'm giving up, I'm, I finally remember they're not lost. They're just where I put. I know where they should have been. I'm looking there. But they are where I put them. And I don't know if the lady forgot or just lost it, but she knows where it is. How do we know that she knows? Because she starts sweeping the floor in her house, and she sweeps and sweeps until she finds it, because it is where it, it might be. It is where it might be. Coins lost in the house, no purpose now. It's worthless as far as being used, but it's worth something to, to her. It's worthless in the house when it's lost. You think about those people that are, that are overlooked, that are neglected. At least they feel like they are. We've had people leave because, well, I was sick and you didn't come visit me. We didn't know you're sick. Did you tell someone you're No, 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 but you should have known. People have actually had that attitude. We've had people that, well, well no one talks to me. At services, where, well, where do you where do you sit? I sit at the very back. When do you leap? Right as soon as as soon as uh, the announcements are going. Well, we can't talk to you. But you know what? Here's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about our young people, and 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 we want to raise them right. They they're they're born into our families, and we want to raise them right. And if we're and if and if we know what we need to do, then we're going to make a conscious effort to take them to Bible class, take them to nursery, let them grow up there, go into class, use the class, go through our, our uh, educational program, go through and learn all kinds of things, facts and, and about the books of the Bible and going through the books and learning about those things. And they go through the elementary school and they get to junior high and they're still learning good curriculum. They, they start going to retreats and camps, and they're learning more, and they, the Bible is being put into them. They get to high school, and they're still getting fed a lot on a regular basis if, they, if they're still coming. But that doesn't guarantee that they won't be lost even while they're attending. And it doesn't guarantee that adults will either. Just because we come and we go. We can be lost and no one notices. And it's not the people's fault that they don't know. But, but, but we, are, we could be lost and still here. Well, there are some, some things that we can look for. The attitude of someone who's here, where they sit. Um, not, not that sitting in the back is a bad thing. But 
but where they are and their attitude and their interaction, how fast they leave, how, and then they might be shy. And I, I know all that stuff. That's, those aren't guarantees. But if you watch someone long enough, you can kind of tell. Not that you're judging, but you're just observing. Well, what about them? What do we do? Well, what did the lady do? She looked for them. She, she want, looked for that coin, wanted to get that coin, wanted to get her hands on that coin. She knew where it should be. It was in her house, and it was in her house. But she looked for it until, until she found it. You know, the sheep wandered away in ignorance. The coin was lost because she most likely wasn't keeping up with it. People lose their money. They go to extremes, uh, measures to find it. The coin was lost in darkness. How do we know? The woman lit a candle so she can see. Go, again, extreme measures. Several years ago, we went camping at, at I think, Palmetto State Park. And, and we, put, we put the tent up. Amy had her jewelry. She didn't want to take it to the water, to the river. Put it in a pocket of the tent. We forgot about it. Take the tent down. And, I, and I'm putting the t- taking the tent down, and I want to shake all the stuff, shake it into the sandy area. And then she went to look for her rings, and they're not in the pocket. I have to undo the tent. They're not there. They're gone. They're somewhere in the sand. And we're looking and looking, and, and I mean, there's so much stuff to look through. And, and she's, I think she said, we're not leaving. It was, I think it was a grandma's ring. One of them was. We're not, we're not, not, not this grandma, but her, that's her mom um, who I'm pointing at, but her grandmother's ring. And so she, was, she said, well, I'm not leaving until we find that ring. Wow. But the park ranger showed up and went to extreme measures to find that ring. Took out a leaf blower, a big old leaf blower, not just like a little one that I have, but I mean, this was med- backpack and everything, and starts blowing the sand and the rings appear, extreme measures. And that's what we need to be doing. We notice, we might notice that someone's drifting away. Eventually, if we let them, they'll be gone. But we're watching them, and we, and we want to, when we find, when they come back and we make that reconnection, there'll be joy to be experienced. So the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and we go to the two sons, and we're not going to spend an incredible amount of time on this, but we read in 11, 30, 11 through 32 of this parable that the son, one of two sons, the younger says to his father, he wants the share of the property that he will get, that he should get when his dad dies, divides the property between them, and then the younger son in 13 gathers all that he had and took a journey into a far country there he squandered his property in reckless living or in prodigal living you know we always call him the prodigal but why prodigal actually means wasteful he's the wasteful son he wasted it he was prodigal in prodigal in this uh, endeavor so he he gathered all that he had and, and 14, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. That, and, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He's an indentured servant now. Sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He's longing to be fed with the pods that, he, that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. He comes to himself in, in 17. How many of my father's higher servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger? I'm going to, 18, I'm going to arise, go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Therefore, and, and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as if one of your own servants. And he goes through this process and he heads home. And who's waiting for him? His dad is watching for him. 
runs, hugs him, loves on him, has a feast for him, gives him a ring as in celebration because this son, and he says, this son who was lost is now found. And it's a great day for everyone except the older brother who resents this. He hears a party going on, asks the servant, what's going on? He finds out, and he, and he makes a comment. He makes a comment. He's angry, he refused. He, he answered his father, look at these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might, se- might celebrate with my friends. The son of yours came, who was devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed a fattened calf for him, and he said to him, son, you're always with me, and mine is yours. Remember that story about the lady. Did he love his son, any, the older son, any less? Not at all. But he was loving on this son who was who was gone. And I imagine if the older son had done the same thing and then came back, there would be a, another celebration. But he was selfish, the young son was. He deliberately chose to leave. He rebelled against what he knew was right. First Timothy 4.10 has Paul writing, for Demas hath forsaken, has forsaken me. Uh, he, he loved this present world. He's departed in the Thessalonica. The Christians, Christians to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. These people are leaving. They're turning their backs on the teaching. and They know better. Again, I come to, I come to our, uh, the people who've grown up going to church. They've gone through the, through the educational program. We can be lost right here, or we can rebel and leave. Leave our teaching, leave our love, leave what we have professed to believe in. And it happens. It happens over and over again. Our, our, our teenagers graduate and they go to, they go to college and, and they're pulled away. They're enticed and, and they give up what they, what they were given. And, and not just our teenagers, but other people as well. They're, they're filled with this knowledge and these experiences and these lessons in the Bible classes and everything that they go through and their reading times. And then something happens and they're lured away and they give it all up. They rebel and they say, uh, I'm going to squander my inheritance right now. Spend it all and I'm going to be hungry. But, but they might come back. They might come back. The, the younger brother... Oh wait, the, the, there there is a Ecclesiastes nine eighteen b reads: One sinner destroys much good. Think about that. One sinner destroys much good. All that the father had worked for is destroyed, is gone, is squandered, and this by the son. There's a Danish proverb. I love this because it is so true. After pleasant itching, think about this. After pleasant itching, scratching comes painful smarting. Smart to smart means hurt. Oh, man, sometimes you get an itch, a mosquito bite or whatever, and you start scratching and you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. And then later on, you, want, you touch it, but there's a, a wound that you have created. But it felt good when you were doing it. And the son paid for it. James 1, 14 and 15. Each one is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And that son was getting ready to, to die he suffered because of his actions. He suffered hunger, enslavement, humiliation. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whoever, whatsoever a man sows, that's what he reaps. He suffered. Rudyard Kipling, the sins you do two by two, you must pay for one by one. 
And he did a lot. And he had to pay for it. And he repented of it. And he got to his dad and deserves grace and mercy, things that he didn't deserve. And then he remembered, and he comes back because he remembers the 17 and 19, loss of the privilege. He remembers, he returns, he repents. Now notice, I, w- I, w- I want to read to you uh, a scripture in 1 Kings, a scripture in Isaiah, a scripture in Psalms. But the 1 Kings twenty-two seventeen. listen. He said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. The Lord said, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Well, Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our Lord for he will abundantly pardon. That's great. That's what happened with this father when the, de- when the son came back. And then Psalm 51, 2, 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with your, with your spirit. The father restores the younger son with rejoicing. Three parables about lost souls. Well, what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about uh, about these lost souls that we realize? The ones that wander away without realizing they're doing it. The ones who are overlooked or neglected or whatever, and they feel like they are, and, and eventually they're bitter and they're lost. What are we going to do about them? What are we going to do about those, those people who just decide to leave? Well, first and foremost, we're going to pray for them. We're not going to give up on them. We're not going to write them off. We're going to be praying for them. We're also going to look for them. We should. And we're also, in those rebellious times, when we don't, when we can't get through their thick skulls, we're going to wait for them and we're going to watch for them. We're not just going to wait for them with our backs turned and hope they show up sometime, but we're going to be watching for them. Man, I hope they come back. I'll be ready when they do. I don't know if you realize this. Out in the foyer on on the bulletin board is a list of people. There's a list of people who have missed more than one Sunday. That list isn't out there so that people can be humiliated. People have joked about that, but that's not why it's out there. The list is out there so we can look at that list, see who hasn't been here for a while, and reach out to them. Here's a list. I won't read the names on here, but and I don't expect you to go out and see. But someone hasn't been here since February 5th of this month. Do you know who I mean of this year? Do you know who that is? And and have we reached out for him? And do we believe he might come back? Have we are we getting ready to write him off? Not at all. Someone hasn't been here since April 2nd. Of this year. Someone hasn't been here since April 30th of this year. Someone hasn't, one of our members hasn't been here since November of last year. What are we going to do about him? You can say, well, the elders need to visit him. That's not how it works. The preachers can go visit him. Yeah, but that's not how it works. That's not how it's supposed to work. We go look for him because we love him, we want him back. Maybe they've decided to stray. Maybe, they're, maybe they've wandered away without realizing it. And maybe they just felt like no one was paying attention to them and they just kind of drifted away. Well, you know what? <laughs> As I talk about this and, and I think about motivating, taking, taking extreme measures, I realize I need to do a better job of this. 
takes energy and it takes it takes effort. It takes discomfort sometimes. You got to get over your timidity because you need to say what you need to say and do what you need to do and go where you need to go in order to get them. But I think we all need to work, or we all probably need to work on that. There are some of y'all who just reach out like crazy. You watch the list and you look around. You don't even have to see the list because you know who's not here and you reach out to them. I know that for sure because people have said, said things about you and how you do that and they love that and they're thankful for that. Anyway, some of us haven't, and we need to repent. We need to decide that's not what we're supposed to do with our brothers and sisters. We go look for them. We, we search for them. We pray for them. If they've rebelled, we can't get through to them, and then we wait for them. We watch for them. And if we haven't been doing that, we need to repent of that. And then as we offer this invitation, as we, as we think about this invitation, there's a challenge for us. Change what you need to change as a Christian. Change it. But if you're not a Christian, change that. Change that. That needs to change, first and foremost. Your status with God. You need to change that. He's waiting for you. He's wanting you to come. He, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You're the lost. And if you understand what you need to do, if you understand that you need to make that change and repent of your sins and, and uh, confess Christ as, as, as God's Son... And then be baptized for the remission of your sins. You understand that? Then do something about that. Make a change, a huge change, because Jesus died to find you. That's why he came, to find you, so that you can be found. If you want to study about that, we're willing to do that and let us know about that. We'd love for you to let us know about that. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.